If you say no to me, that means I really have not expressed the need enough to you. So let me tell you some more information. Let me educate you some more. Let me give you another perspective that I may not have been clear on. Hi, I'm Orzy Cook, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and this is the place where we shine the light and or find the light in the darkness to prove there's still good out there and plenty of it. Welcome to World Gone Good. If you've missed a previous episode and need to catch up, you can find all the good in one convenient location, worldgonegoodpodcast.com. It is the place that's run by my best pal, Lisa, and she makes sure to keep it all good and up to date and ready for you. Go get yourself a good refresher anytime at worldgonegoodpodcast.com. Okay, so I'm going to start today's show with some numbers. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by their partner here in the United States. Nationally, one in three women and one in four men claim to have experienced partner violence in some form in their own lifetime. Domesticshelters.org reports that 43%, 43% of people being abused return home after finding out their local domestic violence shelter cannot accommodate them. So listen, it's hard enough when you can't find a place to go just for yourself, but what happens when you are ready to leave and you have a pet? And either the place you want to go doesn't allow animals or nobody in your life circle can take your furry friend. My guest today saw this problem right here and she came up with a pretty damn good solution. Orzy Cook is the founder of Praline's Backyard Foundation where they help temporarily house the dogs of people in transition, giving them the chance to start their new life. This is is her good story. Okay, let's start with the question you always get all the time. Okay. It is such a unique name you have. Yes. Where does it come from? Who are you named after? Okay, well, I'm named after my aunt, and it's like a family name that's been passed down every generation. I have a young cousin that actually has the name now, well, now as well. I had an aunt prior to me, uh, my, my, my dad's sister, her name was Orzi, and Orzi is Igbo, which is a Nigerian language, and it means love by the public. Did you always love the name, or did you hate the name? Did you want to be Jennifer? Well, you know, well, my middle name is Denise. And so growing up. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and so I, I went by that a lot um, in the beginning. But I think probably in high school and college, I began to say my name is Orzi because people, people would say, oh, I can't pronounce that. It's something else I can call you. And I was like, so I would just say, you can call me Denise. But now I was like, yeah, no, you can call me Orzi. You know, we all can learn to pronounce something, you know. It's, isn't that amazing? Because I work with a woman named Kasime, uh-huh. and she just had to tell me her name one time. And I could say her name. And then I would go to like meetings and people would go, Kesame or Kisime. And she'd be like, Kasime, how hard is it 
It's just <laughs> because, it's, because I think people people like easy. We we like easy, right? Like something right. news makes it, something different makes it difficult for us to remember. We don't want to take the time to learn how to pronounce it, right? And so it's like when people tell me their name, no matter what it is, I'm like, oh, just just repeat it again. Let me grasp it. Because even if you told me your name was I don't know Robert, I got to rem- remember that your name is Robert. So now I'll put with it maybe something that's different than you ever noticed before. It's like oh. I got to remember your name, and now I know that it's, it's different than what I'm accustomed to hearing. So because right. people all say my name, just as clear as I'm saying it now, Orzy, people will say, oh, your name is Dorothy. They just hear, they're automatically hearing what they want to hear. So, but it's like, Orzy. Dorothy? No, not Dorothy. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> patience. It's all about patience. And speaking of patience, I reached out to you randomly on Instagram. I don't remember. It could and, be probably Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I, I love when I find somebody who is doing something so simple and making it happen. And it's such a brilliant idea. So I want to tell you to tell everybody what you're doing and about your organization. Go sell it. <laughs> okay. Well, I created Praline's Backyard Foundation over almost two years now, two years ago. And what the foundation does is houses pets of domestic violence survivors while they're in housing transition. And what a lot of people don't recognize is that when a someone is in a domestic violence situation and they have a pet, they may want to leave that situation and enter into a shelter or move in with a friend or whatever. But sometimes they can move in with a friend or a family member and they may not be pet, their housing may not be pet friendly. Or in a shelter, most shelters in the United States are not pet friendly and they don't do not make accommodations for pets. Only about 25% of shelters in the U.S., um, domestic violence shelters that is, make accommodations for pets or house pets directly. And because of that reason, a lot of people in situations of abuse will not leave the abuse situation. Um, because of fear of leaving that pet with an abuser who may also abuse that animal. And so they'll stay. Or if someone does leave, they may go back because they want to be with their animal. And so the premise or the foundation of Fraylene's Backyard is that no survivor will feel the need to stay with an abuser to stay with their pet. We want to empower that survivor to leave when they're when they are ready and leave with their pet with them to go to their next housing situation, whether that's a family a family or friend, whether it's a shelter. Leave that situation. We will house your pet temporarily at a pet boarding facility for seven days. And while during that seven days, we'll find a pet foster to house that pet longer for as long as you need um, until you're ready to get that pet back again when you have safe and stable housing to care for your animal. Where did this start? Was this a which which angle did you come at this from? Where was the spark? Was it the helping, you know, uh, people who need to leave their home situation? Or was it more the helping the pet situation? Or was it a mix of both? It was a mix of both. It was accumulation of, I'll say, my I said my entire life has led me to this moment. And COVID was probably the sparking, the, the, the spark that got me going. Because prior to me even thinking of Fraylene's Backyard, I had always had a life of volunteering. Like when I was finished in college, when I finished college, when I was in college, rather, I volunteered at a helpline. So that was probably my first introduction besides a lived experience with domestic violence, but definitely hearing that every day in terms of a, um, a hotline. And so then I began to volunteer at domestic violence shelter for years here in Atlanta. And then I transitioned from that to working at the Humane Society. Because when I heard at the domestic violence shelter, a lot of survivors would come in, they would have left their pet with an abuser. And oftentimes, I'll say more than half of the time, they would go back to that abuser 
because they wanted to be with their pet or that abuser would use that pet as leverage to bring them back to that situation. And so I did, there was nothing in places over tw- probably 10 years ago. And then it was just like, I didn't need like, really, like I, I just, I, I felt the pain for them having to make that decision. They're really struggling with their own, own mental health at this time, their own safety, a lot of emotional trauma, trauma, recovering from trauma. And they never recover from trauma without their companion animal. And so then they go back to be with that abuser because not to be with the abuser, but to be with their pet. So I kept hearing that story over and over again. Then I was introduced to working at a humane society. And I heard a different aspect because people would come and relinquish their pet. And that's the responsible thing to do in the sense of you don't want to leave your pet with that abuser and you're going into a situation where your housing is unstable. And so you want to give security to that pet and the humane society will be the, the option that you provide, that you were, you decide to go with. And that's, that's a, a good thing to do. And so I kept seeing that story. And then up until COVID, I volunteered at the humane society. And then it was like, so I'm at home and I'm just thinking about my life choices and what I want to do next. I'm like, just thinking, how can I give back to the community in a way that that really honors my passion and that I can really do well at? And so that's where Praline's Backyard was born. Just having that experience and being able to put that life experience into a operational idea is like the premise of Praline's Backyard. Great name, Praline. Who <laughs> yeah. is Praline? Where Praline? Did you I know. <laughs> uh, we know. I mean, I know. Yeah, go ahead. Praline <laughs> is um, my dog. She is um, a Cocker Spaniel. She's a chocolate Cocker Spaniel. And her name is Praline Pecan. And so my thing is, like, it's like her backyard. Because also, I should have mentioned that I also have a business called Praline's Backyard Dog Services. And where I do dog walking. And so the business started with that in the sense of, like, I wanted to provide people with the idea of, like, the security of someone's backyard. You know, your, your backyard is normally like your safe place, right? Like your house is your safe place. And so Praline is like my dog. And so I want to give people my safe place, which is my dog's safe place. And so then Praline's Backyard Foundation. Do you meet the women that you help or is it, I mean, are you directly involved with the situations? First is, I'll say that is not just women. It's women, men, and non-binary people, persons. Sure. And so um, I do not meet, I've never met any survivor face-to-face. I've talked to, I'll say, I'll say about a hundred of, so, well, in the sense of my, my capacity of Praline's Backyard Foundation, I've, talk, I've probably talked to like a hundred. So I've never met anyone face-to-face. I know about all their animals and their history, but I have not met anyone face-to-face. Okay. Here's a question I have for you. Okay. Close friends, family people we love, when we tell them we have this great idea, some of them are like, that's a great idea. You should totally do that. Mm-hmm. There's other people who are like, are you insane? Here are all the reasons why you shouldn't do this. Uh-huh. What were your surrounding your people, your family, your friends, your community? What were they saying when you, when you told that first person? What was the reaction? They said they were so you. Like, I definitely <laughs> like that just, I'm like, And I, I tell people, you saw that in me. Why didn't you tell me? That would have saved me so much time. <laughs> That's what people tell me. Oh, yeah, that's so you. Like, that's that's probably the most common response I've gotten. And it's like, oh, I'm like, and then when I think about my own life and I look back on it in a reflective moment, I'm like, I can see that, too, because just I have a, I have a career in public health and I've spent over 20 years working in that area. And 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 I got into it because I wanted to help people. Right. And also domestic violence and animal abuse is a, is a public health, another arm because intimate partner violence is a problem. And so it's like. I wish I could have put, I didn't have the resources or the words to put it into action. And I think that because I've had the moment of COVID of reflecting on our life choices and really giving space to how I want it to go in the next phase of my life. And I said, I want to go to the next phase of my life, building something 
that I can build and I can help people, you know, directly. I work for a federal agency on public health and within bureaucracy, I'm helping people, but I want to be able to directly help people and not have to go through red tape. You know, like if I want to help someone, I don't want to ask them a million questions about everything in their life choices. I just want to help people. And that's what um, building the business and building the foundation allows me to do. That's really amazing, though, because I went through something very similar. Um, I think a lot of people listening have gone through this. COVID really changed how we looked at ourselves. Don't you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because we had space. We weren't like rushing around doing a million things. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And then it also changed how we saw ourselves in the world and in our own community and how we wanted to be seen. So were you working in the health world? My husband's a nurse, so I get it. Um, Were you in that space during COVID? Yes. I work for CDC in Atlanta. Um, I work in in public health, but I work in HIV, not not in COVID response. Sure. But I mean, definitely... The, the way the world viewed public health changed as a result of COVID. And I think that's in a good way, right? But it was a lot of um, things that were highlighted as well that could have been done better or differently. Um, and then it just, and, and it's like, I just want to be able to help people in a faster way. You know, uh, when you when you work in a bureaucracy, which is has its place, but it really kind of can restrict the level of impact you can have. And so I even in the process, I'm in the process of really challenging myself I always said I didn't want to take federal funds for any of the work that I do because when it comes to federal funds because, and it has to happen, there's oversight and it's people tell you how to run your program. Right. Right. And so I don't want to say there's something about that. that I don't want to relinquish that control again. It's like, I believe that there's enough money in this country from just the average person that can really make a difference in the lives of domestic violence survivors and their pets. Um, And so that's what I really kind of want to focus on a community effort. My goal has always been to, Educate 10 million people on the barrier of survivors of domestic violence experience to represent the 10 million domestic violence cases that occur each year in this country. And I, and because it's like that 10 million, if I can educate 10 million people, that 10 million people are going to tell one person, right? And so that's my goal because I know there's power in the numbers of each of us. We each have power with our like and our share and our everyday conversations with people. Where do you find the places to house the pets? Um, I know you spoke about putting them up in, in, I'm sure there are, you know, pet hotels and that kind of things for lack of a better word. Yeah. <laughs> I know they're not, they're not fancy hotels. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, we have a cat. Oh my God. Let me tell you really quickly. We have a cat, uh, a cat therapy place here in town that this woman opened and you can go do like your, you can bring your laptop. You can have tea and coffee there. And she turns, these cats are just walking around. They sit in your lap. They climb all over you. And then you want one of the cats at the end of your, you know, week or even day, you finish your work on your laptop. You go up to them, fill out a form and you take a cat home. And that's awesome. I'm sure people told her you're nuts too, but hilariously she calls it cat therapy. That's the name of the place. I think it's genius. I think all it needs is a little wine. I think if we had a wine bar in there, we'd be right. Am I wrong? I've heard uh, of it. That is so. That is cool. But it, it's definitely like people don't. I actually saw something like that on Shark Tank. Um, so, but yeah, I think that's awesome. Because that's I think anim, animals are therapy. They may not have the title of service animal or anything like that, but all pets. If you give a person a pet, it automatically changes their the whole physical body. They relax a little. They have a smile. They start playing with them. That's just a natural. I think that we have that inkling within ourselves when we engage with a pet or an whatever the animal, a cat, a dog, a rabbit, whatever your pet is, there's a natural, like, I think they bring a sense of calm to us and they're good for us as people. 
And so they're healthy for us. So yeah, I, I love the idea of having a cat, a cat um, cafe. That's awesome. Isn't that hilarious? So getting back to my question is how do you, when you have, do you have fosters working for you and how do you get those fosters? How do you reach out to the community? Well, right now I have really just used social media to let, use social media to leverage my out- outreach to fosters and to pet boarding facilities. For example, I've, um, I have a thing on my website, a coverage map on my website that highlights where we can, where we have currently have fosters and opportunity to build more fosters in certain states. Um, and so I'll just put up, I'll continually have videos that I'll say, oh, we need fosters. Are we looking for a foster in a particular state for whatever the concern is at the time? And so I'm always gaining fosters. I'm actually in the process of working with another organization to really increase our fosters. The only thing they do is do fostering throughout the country. And so as I leverage the networks that exist, that makes us being able to serve more people. For example, there's pet boarding facilities in every state, right? And so and every night, there's a pet boarding facility that does that, that is not full. There's not people are not running out of spaces to house their pets, right? But every night, a survivor struggles with leaving their abuser because they're concerned about where their pet is going to go. And so, if we give that power that that survivor the knowledge that they can go to any pet boarding facility near them, and that facility will house their pet at no expense to them because we recognize expense is another barrier for service for a survivor. And so we want to make sure, and so we get more, edu- more more people we can bring on as pet boarding facilities to say they will house a survivor's pet. Either the foundation will pay for it or the pet boarding facility can volunteer that space to house a survivor's pet just for an interim until we find a foster for the longer term for that survivor. And so I'm just trying, I just get continually asked um, pet boarding facilities to volunteer. However, if a survivor called me today and said they're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they want to, um, they want to leave that situation and can we house their pet? They have a place they want to take them or drop them off or whatever. And I'll say, great. I will call a pet boarding facility. I'll talk to the owner. I'll say, I have a situation. Can I pay for housing for someone's pet for seven days? Um, they can say, oh, I can pay for it. Or they'll say, I can volunteer that space for you on behalf of my pet boarding facility. And that'll be great. Awesome. That saves the, um, the foundation fund so we can pay, pay it forward to someone else. Another facility that may not be able to afford that because I've, all pet boarding facilities do need the money, right? And so I want to make sure, sure. we're able to negotiate who, who can pay and who cannot. But no matter what, the survivor has housing for their pet and it gives them security to leave their situation Go seek safety at a shelter or with a friend or family member, whatever the case may be, and their pet is safe while they take the time to take care of themselves and to recover from the trauma they've experienced. And again, we also request fosters all, in the, all around the country. I'm always asking for fosters, um, and I'm, I'm going to build that network. It's going to expand tremendously over the coming months as I connect with another organization that only does foster um, pets. So you're located in Georgia. Correct. But you're servicing the entire country. Correct. And uh, how many, where's your biggest cluster? <laughs> Where, where's, where's the most need? Oh, I actually just have it on my map. I actually don't know that. I have it on my map. Let me bring that up just because I, I actually just updated this. I'm in the process of updating it now. And our biggest, our biggest need is in California, Colorado, Texas, Florida, and New York. How many people do you have working for you full time? Is it just you doing all this? I have a virtual assistant who is awesome. Um, and then I have a um, person that handles social media and I have an accountant. So it's like, those are full-time, I guess. Not really, the accountant isn't full-time. Social media is kind of part-time and the virtual assistant is full-time. 
Um, and then I have a whole bunch of volunteers. I have a couple of volunteers that have that I found through working on social media who are looking, who are, their volunteering is to find pet boarding facilities in different states um, that I can just like say that they're there. For instance, I have, Georgia is easy for me to work with because I can go visit facilities, introduce myself. And so I have volunteers in Tennessee, Virginia, um, Connecticut, New Hampshire, and they have made connections with pet boarding facilities in those states. That's amazing. Are you a 501c3? I am. I am, I am, I am. How enjoyable or horrible was that procedure for you? Was, I've heard pluses and minuses. It at all. You know, a friend of mine told me, he just said, call every day. Okay. <laughs> that's what I did. I told people I follow instructions. And well, that's what I did. And, and people people get tired of hearing you call. I'm like, I wanted to call and see how, how my case is going. Any questions? Any, you know, that's what I did. I won't say I called every day, but I called frequently. <laughs> that, you know, everybody knew my name. <laughs> so that was Okay. <laughs> You don't sound like a person who takes no for an answer, or you sound like a person who, if you get a no, you find a way to take it, turn it into a maybe or a yes. Oh yeah, it's like keep keep going because you just keep trying. Like don't let don't let a no stop you from doing what you want to do. It's just more of an opportunity to continue to continue to make your case. Like if you say no to me, that means I really have not expressed the need enough to you. So let me tell you some more information. Let me educate you some more. Let me give you another perspective that I may not have been clear on. Have you always been this way? Yes, to the detriment of my teachers and my mother. <laughs> yes, yes. I remember that teachers, I would always get like comments. Like, you know, when they used to make comments on your report card back in the day. And it was like, oh, she's very talkative and she's, she will just, she's just adamant about her points. And like, I even, when I was in grad school, the teacher did not like me so much. He actually gave me an F. And, you know, I ended up having to write to the president. It was a whole situation. I was like, I'm an adult. And I'm having a, I challenge you. And that was, that was conflict. You gave me an F. Yeah, no, you thought you saw something bad. You thought you saw some drama then. Let me give you some more for you. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. Did the F, did the F become a C, B or an A? It became a B. Oh, very good. I didn't good. do anything extra because the school recognized I was not going to let this go. Cause I said, like, if you, you, you admitted me into the institution and if I'm capable of doing F work, you are the problem, not me. So exactly. yeah, no. So no, exactly. So it was just him being like a jerk, like just like trying to say like, you you're not gonna be the you know like yeah no, don't talk back to me. I'm like I was like I'll say I was like 25 or 20 25 somewhere in there. I'm like I'm not a child anymore. I had a full time. I may have been older than that. I may have been in my 30s. I was probably 30. I was probably 30. And I'm like yeah no, I'm not 19 and 20, and I believe everything you say. No. Mm-mm. So Isn't it so like interesting that, that the, the world <laughs> asks us to challenge it? Right, and then when we do, it gets mad at us. Yeah, not the you, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because you want to think independently, but not really. You have to go with the status quo. You can't like, you know, no. Let's continue doing what we've always done. Yeah, no, I'm good. No. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So this is going to go up on May third. Okay. Which means that that's right before I believe on May seventh you're doing some sort of a five k seven k ten k some sort of <laughs> oh, thing. No, 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 just a five k, just a five k. I didn't realize it would go up that fast, but yes, we're having a five k. What's called Pause for Domestic Violence Survivors five k. Um, it's to raise awareness about the barriers survivors of domestic violence with pets experience. Um, and it's here in Atlanta, but you also can um, participate virtually, so feel free. And if you're in Atlanta, it's going to be awesome because you can bring your dog out to this race. It's a run or walk or no dog at all. Just come and participate and just to um, help us raise funds and awareness. And there'll be obstacle courses on the race. 
to do with your dog. Um, and it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. So I'm just excited to have that event. Hope people will come out and have a good time um, with their pets and have just a good time to bring out the bring out open the summer up. So hopefully it'll be nice weather, not too hot. It'll be early in the morning. So it should be awesome. And where do people go find information and sign up for that? Definitely at um, pralinesbackyardfoundation.org. There's a link to the, on the website to sign up. So definitely join us on May 7th in Atlanta at the Westside Park. Even if you don't join to run or walk, definitely come out and support us to help us raise awareness. A uh, question I ask a lot of the time to a lot of guests is this. Okay. If you could go back in time, and for you specifically, if you could go back in time to the lockdown, 2020, mm -hmm. and talk to that version of yourself then, what would you tell her then now, you know, from your experience, everything you've learned in the last three years, what would you say to her? What advice would you give her? Don't hesitate. Don't doubt yourself. I think I really doubted myself and my ability in the beginning of this process of just thinking about the next phase of my life, what I wanted to contribute. And I kept saying, oh, no, I kept telling myself, no, no one else, before I even verbalized it, I was talking, I won't say down to myself, but I was talking myself out of it, something that I knew was boiling up in me. So I would have I would have said, I would have got started sooner and I would have said, you do, you can do this. You've done hard things in the past. You can do this too. We close the show with two questions. Don't panic. You know, the answers are really easy. The first one is who inspires you? I'll say my mom because she's just an amazing woman that has had a number of challenges or in her life and she has continued to be resilient and just have a, a passion for a love of people and a love of God. And just, it just really speaks to her. And it's like, she's just an, just an example of just of light in the world. Um, so yeah, my mom. And the final question is not a question. Okay. It's just a statement to finish. Don't sing it because I can't afford it. I say this every time to every single guest and they always start singing it. Ready? Tell me something good. I, I, <laughs> I know. It takes everything in you not to sing it. And I'm, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it. As a black woman, it takes even more not to sing it. The thing is you don't know is that I know nothing about music which is unusual for a black woman as well. It's like, yeah, no, I don't even have a, yeah, no, nothing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Good. Great. <laughs> Good. No one else, then I don't know any, I don't know Shaka Khan and Rufus any money. That's all I need to know. <laughs> yeah, no, I have nothing. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, as soon as I get off here and I look, I look it up, I, I will know. And I will have, know it. Yeah, yeah. But go ahead and any way you want to end the show, tell me something good. Um, tell you something good. I want to tell you that I have learned so much about social media and I think that's good in each of us. I think that we aspire to be good and life circumstance can make us sometimes bad in a way, but then we have to embrace even that part of us and just, just shout it out and just be great and make your contribution to the world. Cause you woke up this morning for a purpose, fulfill it. Thank you, Orzi, for sharing your good. Go find out more at pralinesbackyardfoundation.org. Next time on World Gone Good. I honestly think that roller skating has been more therapeutic than any of the therapy or antidepressants that I was prescribed. Um, you know, the, 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 the taking the risk, the, you know, challenging yourself, the sweating, the falling on your ass and getting up again. Um... I don't know, it's just, it's, 
it's, I don't know what the word is, it's, it's great. <laughs> Lace up your skates, we are set to roll, people. Sarah Fenton did just that. She put on a pair of roller skates during the lockdown, and now she's training for the roller derby. We're going to dive in to what's good about reconnecting with ourselves and being uncomfortable, but doing it, whatever it is, in this case, roller skating, doing it anyway. Who's ready to roller boogie with me on our next all new episode? Until then, be good. <laughs>